all situations are favorable. It's the ability to utilize everything that happens as a benefit because it's the recognition that all things that unfold are for you. Welcome to the Sacred Embodiment Podcast. It's your host, Joshua Michael, and I am so excited to journey through this episode with you today. The Sacred Embodiment Podcast is all about diving deep into what it means to be embodied as our most authentic and vibrant selves. Now, if you're ready to embark on the journey of reclaiming your authenticity and creating your life within the magic and brilliance of your inner divinity, then you're going to absolutely love this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to tune in with us every single week. Now, let's get started. What's up? Welcome to episode 5, where we are talking about anchoring victory consciousness through the recognition of fortune. Whoa, what does that even mean? I know it's a little bit of a mouthful, but trust me when I say that you're going to love this episode. It's really fun, it's really awesome, and it's going to make you feel really good. So basically all that means is that Victory consciousness is, you could say, the opposite of victim consciousness. And it's not really about whether it's opposite or not opposite, but it's simply that victory consciousness is about allowing ourselves to anchor the understanding that all situations that unfold in our life happen for us, and that even in the experience of things that we may at the outset perceive is really bad and really scary or really happening to us, quote-unquote. The truth is that all things are for us and that everything is fortunate for us, right? And we dive into what all of this means and how to start seeing this and integrating this, right? So let's get into it. Sometimes it can be quite easy so we think to believe that things happen to us in life meaning that we believe there are things that are outside of our control or rather that there are things that happen in our life that we don't want to happen or we believe that there are things that occur and unfold that we think are outside of our power in the sense that we have no say in what happens, right? And we could go as far to say that this is true to a certain degree from the, <laughs> from the perception that there are things that happen in life that we can't control, right? We can't control um, the loss of a loved one, or, um, that's a, one example, right? Um, but we can't necessarily control, uh, when it rains or <laughs> the long and short of what I'm trying to say is that there are a lot of things in life that are out of our control, but just because there are things in our life that, we can't control 
doesn't mean that they are things that happen to us or that they are things that we have no say in. And what I mean by this is not that we can control everything that happens, right? That's not what I mean whatsoever. What I do mean is that the way you relate to life is something that you can quote-unquote control. Not that it's a, a matter of controlling things, but it's more so a matter of understanding and really remembering that we are the author of our life. Now, to take this a little bit further, we got to understand, we got to, we've got to understand that co-creation is a matter of understanding that the way things are unfolding in our life, we have to some degree attracted, right? Um, and the reason why we have to understand that is because we've got to understand that to believe things happen to us is to effectively put ourselves in a victim mindset. Oh my God, this thing is happening to me and how come this always happens to me? And Oh, well, this thing happened to me. It's out of my power. Oh, my God, right? That's the victim mindset. And so long that we choose to believe that things happen to us, we are putting ourselves in victim mindset. We're vibrating at the frequency of a victim, which basically also means simultaneously that we're giving our power away to something outside of us, right? Now, the flip side of that is not in trying to control life and control the experiences that unfold, right? We have a say in the frequency that we emit, which then changes what we attract and doesn't necessarily mean we control life, but it does mean that we have the opportunity to change the way that we relate to life. That's the mindset of victory, right? And really, the mindset that I feel comes along very strongly with the chariot. What is that? It's a tarot card, right? And the reason I bring this up is first and foremost, I, I, I love to study the tarot. And um, I don't study it from the angle of what people think the tarot is of, oh, well, it's just a system of fortune telling and it's just a tool that people give their power away to and tarot is this thing that you don't really need. What I've come to learn from studying the tarot, and no, this is not a podcast talking about the tarot. We're just using it as a segue, really. Um, <laughs> but the tarot... When you really get down to it and look at it, I've heard it said uh, in a certain way that really resonates for me and may for you as well, that the tarot is how God speaks to God, right? And the way I interpret that is that when we study the tarot and when we read the tarot, because the tarot is a book of ancient wisdom and it's a map of consciousness. It just is, right? It's not a system of fortune telling and seeing what's going to happen in the future. It effectively through the law of vibration and how things we attract things via the vibration the frequency that we're emitting right and 
our reality organizes it such that it matches our vibration, so within, so without. What's happening there is that when we read the tarot, we're divining. It's a form of divination, right? So when we're divining, we're allowing the God consciousness or our higher self or however you want to relate to the infinite intelligence that is in us and moves through us and creates with us, co-create through us, etc. We're allowing that part of ourselves, that higher, wiser, eternal part of ourselves to work and then show us things that we need to see. And when we're specifically talking about the tarot, because there are many ways to divine, there are many forms of divination, and there are many tools and systems of oracular insight, you could say, right? And we could go even far to say that within that understanding, things have expanded so much in the last 10, 20 years um, to include uh, the myriad different forms of oracle decks these days, right? Now, I like to categorize this as there's tarot and there's oracle decks, right? And I'll get into what this means in a moment. But basically, the reason why I have a distinction of two here is that the tarot is, and there's a lot to talk about there, so we'll get into that, right? The tarot is a system of archetypes and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a certain system in and of itself, right? There are, and, and I would advise, if you're at all interested in the tarot, right, to any degree, I advise you to get either the Rider Waite tarot deck or the Thoth tarot, right? Those are the two that are very much relied upon, at least in the sense that um, they are definitive, like, trustworthy sources of a good study of these archetypes, right? Why? Is because they're popular? Not really. They're popular because they are steeped in practice, right? So the Rider Waite Tarot um, was created by Arthur Edward Waite, published by Rider, but it was created by Arthur Edward Waite and um, Pamela Coleman Smith. So Waite was the man who kind of dictated, you could say, or understood and put together the, the, the archetypes of it. And then Pamela Coleman Smith was the one who painted it, right? And very similarly with the Thoth Tarot, um, that was Aleister Crowley and um, Lady Frida Harris, right? So they both, these two decks, both have a similar system of like masculine, feminine operating in the way that they're created, right? And without going into the history and the biographies of who, what, when, where, why, right? The point of the matter of these two decks being great sources of study for the tarot, if that interests you, is the fact that the both of these, all four of these individuals who created these two decks were steeped in ancient study, right? They were part of the Order of the Golden Dawn, and we're not going to get into that. This isn't a podcast about the Golden Dawn, but the point being is that all of them were very deeply studied in the ancient mysteries and in the archetypes of the tarot and were practiced initiates in magic and in divination, right? So that's why those decks are a good source of good study, right? Not because they're popular. They're popular because they are good sources of study. So without <laughs> with that all out of the way, we have the tarot and we have 
the Oracle decks, right? So Oracle deck, anyone can create an Oracle deck, right? And an Oracle deck could be an Egyptian Oracle deck, could be, uh, I saw one, Rainbow Warriors, right? And then there's, God, I would sit here all day, I could make 100,000 podcast episodes listing all the different Oracle decks that there are. But the point being is that an Oracle deck is someone's channel who and what they are channeling comes through as a as a form of oracular insight right so really regardless of whether you choose any of the oracle decks out in the world or you choose something like the tarot the point is that we're working with divination and a system of divination right and when we're talking about the tarot in specific we are speaking about the these universal archetypes right so while we have these newer forms you could say of these tarot decks that were created by the people that i mentioned they're all drawing on the same source of wisdom right and some even say that the tarot extends far back into the times of egypt the initiates of ancient egypt the chaldeans which is like babylonia and Mesopotamia, right? And even like other ancient um, cultures, right? The Persian Magi's and so on and so forth. So the point being is that when you work with the tarot, whether or not you believe in the who, <laughs> what this person says is the root source of the tarot, or even regardless of what the exact truth is about where it comes from, the point being with the tarot in specific is that when you are working with the tarot or you're working with someone who's working with the tarot with you that knows what the tarot actually is, you're drawing on a vast book of wisdom and a map of consciousness that has been utilized for regardless of how specific the timeline is, the point is, is it's been used for a long, long time and is still around and thus is steeped, is the symbology is steeped in a very deep um, morphogenic field, we could say. And if you've never heard that term morphogenic field, all that that means is that a morphogenic field is kind of like a bubble of consciousness in the non-physical. What that means is that it's like a, one way you could look at it is that it's sort of like a blueprint or is a collection of, it's like a big poster board in the non-physical of things that people have worked on regarding a certain topic or thing, right? So in the case of um, the most popular example when they talk about morphogenic field is the case of Roger Bannister, right? So Roger Bannister was the first man, I don't know that when exactly, but you can Google it, right? Roger Bannister broke the four, was the first person to break the four minute mile. So before Roger Bannister broke the running of the four minute mile, he, uh, there within the morphogenic field of running or the, the, the collective belief, if you will, it's very similar. There was no person, there was no imprint in the morphogenic field of the running, you could say, where someone had ran less than a four minute mile, right? So the belief and as far as the morphogenic field was concerned, 
that was not possible and it was not in the field, right? In regards to running a four minute mile, right? So as soon as he did it, he imprinted that into the field for that particular thing. And then all of a sudden you get all of these people that just start breaking the four minute mile because he shifted the collective belief within that regard, right? So the cool thing about the tarot, coming back to the tarot, yes. The cool thing about the tarot is that it has a vast, we only know, we, we really don't know how old it is, right? It could go back before recorded history for all we know. Um, but the point is that when you're working with the tarot in specific, beside like the tarot rather than an oracle deck that somebody channeled um, or created, right? When you're working with a, a good tarot, because there's lots of not good tarots, there's lots of tarot decks out in the world where people have um, worked with the Rider Waite or the Thoth or however, and then they get creative and they want to create their own version of the tarot, which is great, you know, it's awesome to utilize your creative expression and want to create something, but a shortcoming of, I'm not saying that those two decks are the only decks that you can use. That's not the point, right? The point is that you've got to be discerning, like all things, in where that wisdom is coming from. Because there are a lot of cases where people have been interested in the tarot and then taken it upon themselves um, to create a tarot deck that is not steeped in the symbolism that it's that it's that it's meant to be showing or teaching, right? Like if it's it's like not reinventing the wheel. Like the wheel is the wheel. And if you try to change the wheel, then you miss the point of what the wheel is supposed to be doing. So regardless of that conversation, the point is that when you're working with the tarot and we're studying the tarot, we're getting to the point, don't worry. <laughs> we're getting there. When we're working with the tarot, we're drawing on this deep like field in the non-physical of thousands beyond thousands of people and initiates and magicians and so on and so forth who have worked with these archetypes and utilized these tools for magic and ceremony and ritual for God knows how long, right? So it's a powerful form of magic is what I'm getting at. And they are really universal archetypes for our life's journey, right? Some people have even attributed to the Kabbalah, which then kind of gives rise to, you could say, the hermetic thought within the Kabbalah in the Tree of Life and how all the cards can be utilized on the map of the Tree of Life. But that is such a complex topic that we're not even going to get into it in this podcast because it's just too vast to be talking about in one simple podcast. But the point being is that when you're working with the tarot, you're working with these universal archetypes. Now, what is an archetype, right? The best way I've heard it said, and I choose to share uh, because it's so descriptive and easy to understand, is that first we remember, um, and you've definitely heard this, I, I, I feel, right? It's always the case where someone hasn't heard this, but the point is that we have the case of um, uh, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? You've definitely heard that before. And then that's a picture, right? And that's words. But then when it comes to archetypes, I think it was Carl Jung who said this. So 
if a picture is worth a thousand words or an image is worth a thousand words, then an archetype is worth a million images, right? Now, I'm going to say that one more time just so we can really start to grasp that. So if an image is worth a thousand words, then an archetype is worth a million images. And basically what that means is that an archetype is the simplest idea of something. It really is the simplest idea of something. We could think of this as like a tree, for example, right? A tree, you could say, when you think of just the idea of a tree, a tree or tree is an archetype, right? Then you've got a sycamore tree, then you've got an evergreen tree, and then you've got, I don't know how many trees exist and different kinds of trees exist, but the point is that there's near endless variations of what a tree can be. So a tree, we could say, is an archetype, just like an animal is an archetype or a human is archetypal, right? So everything in our living experience, everything that we experience in life is a is is created within the archetypal sphere, right? So and then we get into the understanding of like the hero's journey. If you've ever studied Joseph Campbell or you've ever heard this idea that the hero's journey is the archetypal story of becoming, if you will. You could call it the initiate's journey or however you want to look at it, right? This is Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, right? But the point is, it's the hero is in the ordinary world and then he gets into the special world because he receives a calling. And then from there, he journeys through the trials and tribulations. Then he goes through the ordeal in the middle of it. Then he gets the, the magic boon and the blessing. And then he travels back to the basic world or the original ordinary world, you could say, with that blessing and with that magic, and then is the transformed hero, and then is capable of sharing that, bringing that medicine, if you will, to the people in his world, right? Or in her world, even. Hero, heroine is an archetype, right? So when we're working with the tarot, we're working with universal archetypes. And we have the ability to understand based on what our higher self wants us to see or what is it what it what's what it's in our highest good to see in that moment archetypally where we're at spiritually mentally emotionally and physically right so within this what came up for me <laughs> when i was working with it today is the chariot and i'll show you if you're watching this is not either of the decks that i spoke about uh-huh funny right but this comes from a deck called the Tarot of Saqqara, which um, the man who created this was very studied in the tarot and these universal archetypes. And the reason I love this deck is because it uh, he uses Egyptian symbology and the symbology of the Netaru, um, which is the Egyptian gods and goddesses and so on and so forth and the different principles of their cosmogony. But the point being is that the chariot, while... These are archetypes, and everyone's going to interpret an archetype differently. What came up for me within this understanding is that the chariot is really the embodiment of victory, you could say. Not victory in the sense of victory over another or defeating someone or not victory like that. When I use the term victory, we could almost think of it as the 
uh, integrated self that is integrated with their power, is embodied in their power, and is embodied in their knowing that they are creating their reality. And that nothing happens to them, everything is happening for the highest good, right? So, when we work with the chariot, we could say, really it's like an archetype to be able to help ourselves understand that everything does truly happen for the highest good, right? And why is this the case? Because if we look back on our life's journeys and we start to um, look with hindsight, if you will, we start to understand that everything in life has everything to do with the way that we look at it, right? We could go even as far to say that life has less to do with what happens or the events that unfold and much more to do with the the meaning that we understand these events to have and the way we choose to perceive and integrate these experiences that we have. Why? Because that is what constitutes our embodiment and how we move through the world, right? And here's what I mean by this. What I mean by this is that let's use the example of let's say that there's this place and uh, these two people work at this place, right? Another one of these examples. It's very helpful. <laughs> um, and these two people um, this place just went out of business. Oh my goodness, in this example. And these two people both were working at this place. So, because this place went out of business, they both lost their jobs, right? So they're both out of job. So the experience or the unfoldment, we could say, is that both of these people are in the exact same experience. The experience is business closed, they both no longer have a job. They both no longer have something to do every single week, you could say, or a source of income from this particular job, right? Those two people, now let's pretend that one of these people is archetypally embodied in the, in the victim, and the other one is archetypally embodied in the victor, right? Or the chariot, we could say. The person who understands that everything is for the highest good and they are embodied in their power and their sovereignty and in their understanding that everything is working for them right so all situations are favorable right that's really the the the, the medicine or the key i want to impart to you here is that the chariot i feel one aspect while well, we could talk forever about each individual archetype here is that the chariot a very big key within this archetype is that all situations are favorable. It's it's the ability to utilize everything that happens as a benefit because it's the recognition that all things that unfold are for you, right? So back to our example, the the person who's archetypally expressing the victim is going to following the thread of victim consciousness you could say within that example is that the job is lost right the business closed and they're gonna go 
Oh my goodness. Why is this happening to me? Whatever am I going to do right now? I'm unemployed and oh my God, this is the end of the world, right? Flip side, the other person who understands that everything happens for them is going to more than likely go, oh my God, now I am so free. That was such a great experience. Um, so glad that happened. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to have this experience. And then I'm also excited that this experience is closing because it's probably going to be better for the owners. And I'm excited to see what's next for me in my journey. And this means that there's such an opening of possibilities. Right now I can do this, 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 and this with my life. And who knows what's on the horizon? It could be incredible, right? Now, if we bring it back to this understanding that everything has everything to do with the story that we tell about it, then we can look at it and go, oh my goodness, it's true. What's true? The way that both of them are perceiving the situation. What does that mean? What that means is that they're both right because they're both creating it. And so that they're creating it, they are then going to experience what they're creating, right? And that's really the understanding with um, things happening to us and things happening for us, right? It's not that they are two sides of the same coin. They are just simply two ways of perceiving a situation that is neutral, that is just a happening, right? And then we could bring in the understanding of like the wheel of fortune or the wheel of life, which is another archetype in the tarot. And we could utilize that and understand that the wheel of fortune, we could say, not the TV show, not the old game show, but like the archetype of fortune, the wheel of life and how things unfold in life, right? When we look at that archetype, we can see that there are things that are radically out of our control that... <laughs> to use the example, both of those individuals had absolutely no control over that business staying open or closed, right? So we could say that that is what fortune has brought both of them, right? However, fortune, following this thread of things happening to us or things happening for us, fortune is also within our ability to understand from the lens that things are fortunate so long as we choose to see them as fortunate, right? Because in this example of the business closing, both of these, indivo both of these individuals have the potential to work with that material, right? And with that ability to work with that material, they are choosing what that thing means, right? So the point here is that we can utilize life, we can utilize our life experiences in whatever way we really want to, is the point. And the point being, there is no difference between there is no difference in what happens so long as what happens is entirely 
up to us in how we choose to integrate it and what we choose to get from, receive from that thing, right? So the long and short of this is that when we're moving through life, I invite you to take the the medicine of the chariot, the medicine of being of victory, you could say, and understand that everything really does happen in the highest good. Because if we choose to look back on our life with hindsight, right? So we're looking back. Every single thing that has ever happened in our life has led us to this moment right here and right now. So that thing or those things that may have happened that at the time we saw were really horrible and really bad and oh my God, why did this happen? And I'll tell you what, I have plenty <laughs> of experiences, and I'm sure you do too, that I can look back on and see that when they were happening, I was so mad about it, or I was frustrated, or I was like, why is this happening to me? And what the F, like, this sucks, right? Like, we all have, we've all been there, right? And what I'm also not saying <laughs> is that it's okay if we get frustrated, right, about certain things, or um, there's nothing wrong with in an experience feeling a reaction if it's if it's if we perceive it as a negative experience and it catches up it catches us off guard. There's nothing wrong with us having some sort of emotional experience, right? If we're <gasps> we get triggered, right? That's natural. That happens, right? We're human. It's okay to be messy. And if we get triggered in certain situations, that doesn't mean that we've ruined our chance to see it as something that is for us or that we are doomed to becoming a victim or it, none of that means that that's not what it means right it means that we're human and if we get triggered that's okay that just means like okay i need to do my best to turn my mind off and uh go meditate or go do some breath work or go for a walk or go take a bath or get my do whatever i need to do to take care of myself and return to a balanced centered place of being and then i can interpret this situation from a neutral place within myself right so the medicine or the takeaway of this entire podcast is number one it's okay to not be perfect right it's okay if we get triggered it's okay if we experience things that we perceive as failures, right? It's okay if things don't work out the way we want them to in certain circumstances. Why? Because when we get through those experiences and when we are able to integrate those and receive the medicine from those experiences, because every experience has medicine, every single experience works out for us, whether we realize it in the moment or not. And I'll tell you what, um it's very much so that when you're in the thick of the experience you are not going to see how it's for you right and i'm sure you've had that experience many many times and i still have this experience right because when we're in the thick of it and we're triggered and we're pissed off we're just like 
<sighs> right? There may be something in the back of the mind going like, okay, I get it. This is for me. This is part of the process. All right. But when you're in the emotion, it's okay to not be like, woohoo, this thing happened and yay. It doesn't mean that you're going to attract some negative experience. It just means that you're moving through something and that something is coming up to be released, right? We don't have to be afraid of feeling negative emotion or negative whatever it may be because that in and of itself is a judgment, right? And the way that we judge things or the way that we believe is how our experiences are colored. So if we're judging an experience or an emotion as negative, and then we believe that if we're feeling a negative emotion, then we're going to attract a negative experience, then that's going to happen, right? But the truth is that not only is a negative emotion just a judgment, but if you cry or you have sadness come up or you have grief come up and you have things to move through that come up, it doesn't mean that you're going to attract that experience, right? I would definitely recommend that if you have emotions or things like that coming up, it's I found it to be of benefit in my own experience to uh, <laughs> remove myself from going out into the world or doing certain things and interacting with others to move through that within the constraints of time and so on and so forth space that I have available to me to process that as best I can so that I don't have to carry that into my day because then it will be a little challenging, right? But the point being is that throughout life, we have experiences. And all of those experiences are up to us. We have the responsibility to determine how life experiences relate to us or for us, what they mean for us, right? And responsibility, I feel, is something that gets confused a lot of the times or there's an unnecessary weight on the idea of responsibility, right? Because the truth of the matter is that responsibility, if we break the word down, just like consequence, that's another one, right? So like responsibility, if you say responsibility, then it's like, oh, responsibility, right? But if we understand what the word means and where it comes from, we have response and ability. So really all that word means when we look at it is it's the ability to respond. That's all responsibility means, is it means you have the ability to respond. That's it. That means that following the chariot, following the mentality of victory, or the, the, the vibration of victory, responsibility, the ability to respond means that when things happen in life, you respond to them. It's having the ability to respond to experiences. Reacting is like, oh, why is this thing happening? Ah, right? But responding is like, you're centered, you're neutral, and then you respond, right? That's all responsibility is. Same thing, like I said a minute ago, with the whole word consequence, right? Oh, the consequences, oh, right? It's not, that word doesn't mean anything bad, right? Consequence just is a matter of connected sequences. And that could be totally wrong, but the point is, that's what I've come to understand it to be, is that the word consequence, or when we experience consequence in our world, it just means that it's the connected sequence of events based on a certain cause. That's all the consequences, right? So 
without getting too much into words and all this kind of stuff, remember that you have the power to interpret your experience in the way that feels the best to you. There is nothing wrong with, first and foremost, we always want to process our emotions and, and be present with our emotions and not um, bypass our emotions, right? We want to be present with our emotions and move through those things that feel unchallenged, that feel challenging and uncomfortable, right? But then within that, there's nothing wrong with taking something that someone over here or your friend or your whoever would perceive as a bad thing and then taking that and choosing to feel good about it and choosing to see the positive light in it right to see not even the positive light but see the good fortune that that experience has for you right because i truly believe and i know this to be true within my experience everything that unfolds is for your growth and if it's happening in your experience then it means that you are ready for it and that is the simplest way to understand that so remember this next time something unfolds whether it's small or big remember the chariot remember that you are powerful and remember everything has good fortune in it all you have to do is recognize it Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave a review of the podcast so that others can discover how much you enjoyed it. Now, if you'd like to explore this work deeper and connect with me further, be sure to check out all the goodies in the description. Have a beautiful day, and we'll see you next time on the Sacred Embodiment Podcast.